Hello and welcome to today's episode of Accountable Arizona Election 2022. I recently sat down with candidate Lauren Kuby, who is running for Arizona's Corporation Commission, or as she likes to put it, the most important office no one has ever heard of. Candidate Kuby and I discussed how the Corporation Commission affects Arizona lives on the daily and how she would plan to use her office to help fight the climate crisis. I do want to point out that at around the 9 minute and 30 second mark, I say a lot of rural Arizona doesn't understand. And I meant to say that a lot of people outside rural Arizona doesn't understand. I'm Lauren Kuby. I'm running for the Arizona Corporation Commission. It's a statewide race and there's two seats up. So I'm running with Sandra Kennedy for those two seats. And it's statewide, so it will be on everyone's ballot it will be at the bottom of the ballot, though, in one of the last statewide offices that will be listed on the ballot. All right, that's good to know. Um, and are you from Arizona? Originally? originally, I'm from Massachusetts and went to school at University of Chicago, but I've been living here for 34 years now. So I feel like a native. Yeah, <laughs> those are some good chunk of time. And why? what makes you love Arizona? Oh, as I travel the state, just the vistas and the landscape so beautiful. I love the climate. I love the desert. I love the people. We have the potential to be a leader in the world in, in solar and to be the solar capital of the world. So I love the vista and the landscape. Sometimes not so happy with some of the crazy in AZ, but we're I'm part of a, a long-held movement, a progressive movement, and I feel like we've made some real changes in the state. Yeah. And what communities are extra special or do you see yourself in within Arizona? Well, I, th I think I was a former vice mayor and council member in Tempe for two terms, and the community of La Victoria is a community that's near and dear to my heart. It's a frontline community. They're on the front lines of, of, of climate change with all the exposure to extreme heat and all the elements. They're a community that's been often ignored in public policy. So on the city council, I, I, I felt strongly that I needed to represent voices that weren't there, people that weren't at the table. And so Love Victoria will always have my heart. It's one of the most important communities. So historical, has so much historical importance in the city of Tempe. And if we're going to be a resilient, sustainable society, it's communities like Love Victoria who've shown such resilience that right. need to be our model and the communities we turn our attention to. Right, and put of, have put in so much work to mm -hmm. building Arizona and to mm -hmm. what it is today. Because Tempe was once a sundown community. So right. if you're a person of color, you had to... You had to get home by sundown, and get home was outside of the city limits, and that was the community of La Victoria. Oh man, our mm -hmm. history is definitely checkered. <laughs> but if you were elected, how do you plan on continuing to serve those underserved communities in Arizona? It's a great question because I, you know I have a long background in sustainability, right. and when you think about sustainability, I think of three sort of pillars, three pegs. And one is economic sustainability, environmental sustainability, and social sustainability. But what holds it all together is this understanding of equity. And the decisions we make today have such impact on generations tomorrow. And we have to think about those most vulnerable in our world, in our, you know, our state, in our community, um, when, we, when we think about public policy issues. Yeah, and how do you see bringing mm -hmm. public policy and using that as to help build community. Sure. So we, you know, we're in a health, public health crisis in Arizona. We're in a climate crisis. And 
it's it's obvious to all of us, especially in the summer. But you know, we we're exposed to wildfires and the horrible air quality that results. And so wildfires are are more intense. They're more frequent. They're starting earlier. Then we have a 1,200-year drought, the worst drought in 1,200 years, and we have um, flooding that results. And then we have worst air quality in the country in Maricopa County and Pima, and we have extreme heat. And all of those factors impact those who are most vulnerable. And that's why we need to move towards a clean energy economy because a clean energy economy, as we as we electrify, as we decarbonize, will be a more just economy. And it'll be one that'll be more healthful because right now your your life your lifespan is dictated in Arizona by your zip code. Right. That's the chief determinant of how long you're going to live, and I, I don't think that's right. Yeah, so there are, are many equity issues before the corporation commission. The corporation commission sets rates that the utility customers pay for gas, water, and electric. Mm-hmm. It also establishes renewable energy standards and energy efficiency standards. So how soon we're going to become a clean energy economy and 100% renewable energy economy. And those issues all relate so directly to those who are on the front lines. I mean, it relates to all of us. We all breathe the air, right? right. So we all want clean air, but the public health threats that we, that we are exposed to impact the poor, the elderly, the young, you know, in disproportionate ways. Right. So the commission can have a great impact on creating a more equitable community, communities yeah. and state. And that's, it kind of leads beautifully into my next question of, I know, I think even really at the beginning of this election, I didn't understand Mm -hmm. what the corporate commission did and it's had to take some research, right? For voters who don't understand yet what the corporate commission does, what summary would you give them for what Mm -hmm. your position would entail? Well, in a nutshell, I say the Corporation Commission is called the fourth branch of government, and it sets utility rates, and it regulates the utilities. So it, non-municipal water, gas, electric, it regulates the railroads and pipeline safety and the telecommunications industry and, you know, a panoply of really important factors in your life. So it really impacts your daily life. Yeah. And it, I'm a history um, buff, and, and like, I love to research about the, the role of the commission. It was the most discussed aspect of the Arizona Constitution in 1912, which is a really progressive document, strangely enough. They were most concerned about how uh, lobbyists might be influencing the governor, so they made it an elected position, not appointed by the governor, because they were worried about the railroad lobbyists. They were enormously powerful in Arizona state politics then. So let's go 120 years, 110 years later, things haven't changed that much, and now we have the utility lobbyists really corrupting the corporation commission right so it's it's a it's a i like to tell people when they hear corporation commission it, it doesn't yeah. make sense like what you help the commissions you help you help the corporations what do you do right it's actually more of a consumer commission right and if it filled fulfilled its role properly it should be a climate commission yeah because it is the single most important agency that relates to energy and policy in the state and it's that's why it's such an exciting office i believe to run for right and because there's only five members just when, I, when I'm elected and when Sandra Kennedy's re-elected, we will join Anna Tovar and we'll have a Democratic majority of women right. who will really help to, to be consumer watchdogs and corporate watchdogs and also to be solar energy champions. Yeah. And it's so I don't, exciting. One of the reasons I wanted to do the podcast mm-hmm. is these elections that sound like they wouldn't have anything to do mm-hmm. with our day-to-day right, right. end up being what were our bills, what that we're sure. paying, the way that 
in a lot of ways, corporations are not only paying for campaigns for candidates, but also influencing the messaging on propositions. Like I think back to, was it 207? Yeah, or 206 was it? But a few, like yeah. how they were able to come out and just completely lead, lie, and say, your bills are going to go up. We can't have solar energy. And yeah, they put in language, irrespective of cost to consumers, right. you know, knowing that the price of solar had gone down so rapidly and, and solar is three times cheaper than coal and it's two times cheaper than gas. And yeah, that was just you know, egregious. And yeah, the utilities, they really did corrupt that process, didn't they? Yes, unfortunately. But now we have hope of being more solar focused and mm -hmm. really have a chance to vote in some great people mm -hmm. uh, this election. What do you think the best way is for average voters, average citizens uh, to hold politicians accountable? To observe and to watch. And, and you know, I think we need a lot more transparency in government. That's why when I was the vice mayor in Tempe, we, we passed legislation. We put it on the ballot and 91.44% of all Tempeans voted to get dark money out of our local elections. Right. There's a statewide initiative that's on the ballot that's doing very much the same thing. We're voting on that in November. So a part of the problem with the commission is that a lot of the work is done, it's not that it's done in secret through right. public meetings, but people don't know about it. Right. And they have two locations. They, they meet in Phoenix and sometimes in Tucson, two offices, but they don't travel as much as they should and get out there into the rural areas. And in some ways, rural areas are, are, are deeply impacted because their water utility providers aren't necessarily updating the infrastructure, whereas cities, they are doing it. So I think rural uh, Arizona residents are, are really at a disadvantage. And so I think we have to open the doors and talk a lot more about the commission and, and its influence. Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I grew up in uh, Morency, ah. Arizona, so it's owned by Freeport and yeah. such a yeah, huge there. culture shock. I saw, I was going to say, I saw your sides out. I was like, yeah, uh, one of the, one of the few of the statewide races that uh -huh. I know Chris Mays had gone out there. But aside from that, I think a lot of rural Arizona doesn't understand that like, these corporations own this land and this town mm -hmm. and the resources that we that often get neglected because they're thinking about the bottom line instead of running a town yeah and it can be it can be so short-sighted you know the ele rural electric co-ops are, are reluctant to get on to the renewable energy transition yet now with the ira the inflation reduction act there's a lot of industry loans and a lot of investment in rural electric co-ops should they take up that charge you know to me it's you know the commission has such possibility and it has had it's been corrupted to to a large extent it's it, less so because the, the utility utilities have decided they're not investing in this election they're not going to spend dark money that's what they say right now they may have there's some of their friends invest <laughs> but what they're doing is they're investing in the legislative races because they really want to weaken the powers of the corporation commission right and so i'm running against sandra and i are running against two republicans who are America first, Arizona first, they don't believe in regulation. So they're running to be regulators, yet they don't believe in the role, the regulatory role of the commission. They believe the commission should just set the rates, but not pass, not take on the legislative role that it takes on. And to me, that's our, our great advantage of having this commission where we can spark sort of larger policy signals at the top, and they'll have much more impact than you or I deciding, I'm gonna buy an electric car. Right. That's well and good, but that doesn't help when your utility has 100% renewable energy standard by 2035, they'll then go to the cities like Tempe and say, 
okay, you have a 100% goal for renewable energy. We haven't really helped you much. Now we're ready to get in and do a large plant with you or, or distributed solar. Maybe we'll accept rooftop solar because it builds resilience and we weren't willing to before, but now we have this goal and we're going to be held to this goal. So, you know, to me, the commission has such potential and let's face it, with the IRA, we have the opportunity, Arizona, to benefit from that act more than any other state. We really could benefit and lead the transition to clean energy in the country. Right. We have sunshine all of the time. Plenty of state reduction. Yes, yeah. and not using, uh, it's almost embarrassing how little we use solar power. Yeah. Definitely, I know ASU's done a lot and you see a lot of solar panels, but mm -hmm. we could all be benefiting from it if there weren't different things in the way. Um. Yeah, it's crazy that we have to import most of our energy sources. So we have to import gas, we have to import coal, and that doesn't make sense. We should be a net exporter uh, of electricity. Arizona right. has the potential to really help solidify the regional grids um, with our solar output. And yeah. we're really lacking, I think we're 9% solar in the state. Wow. And, and you know, the sunniest state in the nation, I think New Jersey does better than we do. So. <laughs> We could definitely do better than 9%. How do you plan on interacting with uh, your constituents? I know you mentioned earlier they're not seeing as much travel. Would that be a part of your plan? Yes, for sure. And uh, there's a number of town halls that have taken place and at the instigation of you know, Anna Tovar and Sandra Kennedy. And Sandra Kennedy, I, I believe, had five town halls focused wow. on the ju just and equitable transition for coal communities in the northeastern part of our state. And she played into packed halls, and it was it was quite impressive. This, you know, they they also had Zoom town halls, and right. there were a few people on, but sometimes no one logged. I think right. Karen, you tried to log on, right, and and nobody was on. So it's really important to go where people are, and that is an equity issue that we haven't sure. talked about today. But you know, we have to shutter these coal plants, and we shuttered the Navajo Generating Station, the most carbon emitting coal power plant in the country, and that was the right thing to do. But we didn't have a plan for how we were going to help restore those economies that were so based on yeah. coal. And that's not right. That's not fair to the Navajo Nation, to Hopi Nation, and uh, Joseph City, St. John's, these yeah. communities that were deeply impacted. So now there's a lot of conversation. And there's been a commitment of, I think, $200 million, which sounds like a lot, but it's really, really should be, I'm sorry, it's, I said $200 million, $20 million, it should be $200 yeah. million commitment to help with that just transition. And that means... Yeah, establishing a renewable energy economy and bringing running water and, and electricity into the Navajo Nation because there's such a, a large percentage of, of residents in the Navajo Nation that don't have running water and don't have yeah. power, right? So we have to do that fundamentally. The beauty of solar is when you build these solar plants, they need a lot less maintenance and operation. So you can't just build a renewable energy plant and then leave. You need right. to have more investment in like education or or whatever that the nation's residents want to see invested in. Right. And we've really abandoned the Navajo Nation. And what's sad to me is that you know we've Tucson, Tempe, Phoenix, we've all grown and become the great cities be, that we are because of extracting resources and we polluted the land, we polluted the air up there, and then somehow we're abandoning them. Yep. When the coal mine left. They, they had to restore, because of, uh, it was the largest strip mine in the country, they planted grasses to help with erosion. Mm -hmm. they, used, they planted Midwestern grasses, not even native grasses, which is such an... Yeah, what an, an insult almost. Yeah, it's like an insult to the landscape, to the people up there. So 
there's so much we can do to have a process in place because when we shutter the other coal mines, which have to be shuttered uh, for our health, for economic reasons, right. like it's cheaper to install a new solar plant than it is to run a present day coal plant. So we have to do it, but we need to do it in a way that, that really reinvests in people and those lands. So speaking of the climate crisis, sure. Arizona has definitely felt all different types of effects from yeah. lack of water, uh, the heat, multiple triple digit days, and that number right. just keeps increasing. How, if elected, can we relieve some of these effects from the Corporate Commission Committee? Yeah, well, one thing is to pass a renewable energy standard. Now we passed one 16 years ago. It was only 15% by 2025. Okay. Three years of planning and stakeholder engagement, meeting with the public, and they settled upon 100% renewable energy, yay, yeah. by 2070, which oh boy. is far okay. away. But it was at least a, a stopgap measure because there were decadal goals right. and they would be higher than they are now. So it was a good step forward, and that failed. It failed by a vote of, uh, it was two to three. That renewable energy standard, when it was established 16 years ago, it saved us 23 billion gallons of water. Wow. So it's important to note that when we think about the drought, you don't necessarily think electricity and drought being connected, but, but they are because conserving electricity conserves water. Right. The largest user of electricity in the state is the Central Arizona Project. So we need to be conscious of that. So that renewable energy standard saved us 23 billion gallons of water. And along with that, a year or so later, they passed an energy efficiency standard. And we were the first in the nation, and we had the highest energy efficiency standard for a long time. That was Chris Mays and Sandra Kennedy that passed that. To think about energy efficiency, if you have a 100% goal, you want to be 100% renewable, uh, then you can get a third of the way there, nearly a third of the way there, from avoiding costs, from, from not building a power, a power plant, from conserving, right. and through all sorts of ways, demand management, conservation efforts all around. And that's getting us a third of the way there. It's the cheapest and best form of energy is not having to spend it, even use energy, right? So that standard itself, it saved us $9 billion and we avoided building 14 power plants. And those 14 power plants would have been fossil fuel plants spewing toxic emissions into the air and impacting all of us. And so those standards have known to be successful and the utilities were, were dragged, kicking and screaming to do, they did not want to see those standards. They did not want to be, they did not want to have mandates, as my Republican opponents would say. But they, sh they were shown to be economically smart and helpful for our environment. Right. We have the worst air quality in the nation, but think how much worse it would be with 14 more power plants. Right. That's what, the, day one, we can't pass that day one. We have to go through a process, but it did go through considerable research. The modeling sometimes they used was not, the robust modeling that I would like to see the commission uh, use in, in some of its studies. It uses models that don't take in what we call distributed resources and rooftop solar and smaller solar installations. And it doesn't take in external costs like health, health impacts. So we need to look at all of that when we look at you know, transitioning to a solar economy. But first and foremost, we have to have a renewable energy standard. We have to restore our energy efficiency standard, which you know, expired at the end of the year. And that's first and foremost what we need to do. Right. And then, you know, I come from Tempe, and more than half of our residents in Tempe don't own a home. They live in an apartment. So should the benefits of solar just go to people that can afford to put a solar, solar installation on their roof? And even then, like, you can have a roof, and it's not the right angle, or right. there's too much shade, so you, or you may not have the money to, to invest in solar. 
So we need to have a way where everyone can gain the benefits of solar. And that happens across, across the country with community solar, where you're investing in a, in a larger scale uh, community solar plant, solar power plant with battery storage, and you see benefits on your bill immediately, and you're one of the investors. And that to me, we need to, they're looking at it now. I don't know if they have the votes for it now, right. but I would like to see that advanced. Yeah. And there's a lot of other um, items on my agenda. Yeah. The rooftop solar. Yeah. We talk about freedom, right? We right. should have the freedom to be able to put rooftop solar on and, and get paid a reasonable amount back for the excess solar power we generate. And that was taken away from us in 2015 when, when uh, the utility companies saw their business model a little bit threatened and they decided to change it in the middle of the game yeah. and hurt present-day solar customers and discourage current customers from investing in more solar. So there's so much that we could do. And, and then we can also look, you know, from water, what perspective of water, this may happen in, in urban areas, but in the rural areas, they, they don't necessarily get a free water audit like they do in Tempe. Right. Tempe offers $350 of ir irrigation controllers so you can control where the water goes and which trees and bushes and plants. And we pay $350 for someone to put that system in. They don't necessarily have that or a smart meter that says you have a leak and you've had a leak for an hour and if this continued for a month to your next bill, it was going to cost you 900 extra dollars. So we're telling you now so you can fix the leak and oh, by the way, we'll come out there and identify where the leak is. Yeah. So all of those things, cities are really, are really ahead of the curve. The rural areas, not so much. And it's not for want of not wanting to do it. It's not having the capital costs and, yeah. and the money to do it. And hopefully with, with the IRA, with the Inflation Reduction Act, there's going to be a lot of loans and uh, grants available so people can really re-up their, um, their conservation improvements right. in, their, in their districts. Yes, and hopefully now have the resources to learn about right. it, to right. even start it. So we've talked a lot about corporate mission and solar energy. Mm -hmm. What else do you think voters should be excited for to vote for in November, whether it be a another candidate or a proposition um, that you're excited for? I'm excited about a lot of candidates. Actually, let's talk about Chris Mays. Yes. She's running for attorney general. and We know our abortion rights are not at stake. They're, they're no longer here. We don't have Grab them, them, right? Yeah. So abortion's on the ballot. Climate is definitely on the ballot, as, I, as I've shown, and democracy's on the ballot. And all of these issues are interconnected. When I think of climate, I think of climate justice, I think of abortion rights, I think of, of democracy rights. Like you can't disentangle them from one another. And, and Chris is the attorney general. She's the only attorney general in the history of our country to say she's going to center climate in her decision making. That's huge. Because the attorney general actually can confirm or, or sort of resist some of these renewable energy standards, which is scary if there's a yeah. Republican attorney general. But the environmental division has been decimated under Brnovich. It doesn't exist as a department, so she's going to really restore the, the environmental division and center climate in her decision making. So, you know, if I weren't running myself, I'd be working for Chris Mays, or yes. volunteering for Chris Mays. She, she's so important. And Adrian Fontes, Secretary of State. Yeah. Mark Fincham is he's an oath keeper, he I is. believe. And yep. he has actually called upon people to stockpile weapons in advance of the election. This is someone who wants to be a public servant and swear on the Bible and, and, and take an oath to the Constitution, and he's telling people to amass weapons. Yep, and was also 
attempted to be recalled because of his involvement in oh. the January 6th insurrection. Lest we forget. And then even like Martin Casada running for state yeah. treasurer, you know, there's a lot we can do to divest of fossil fuel companies, which are yes. so harming the environment. They're harming our environment. Why do we want to invest in companies that are hurting us? We need to invest in fiscally sound investments that actually protect our communities. Right. Get back. So he's a great candidate too. And then yeah. Katie Hobbs, of course, yes. our governor. Uh, very exciting ballot for yeah. uh, November. And by the way, all the Republicans are climate deniers. In my yes. race, we have one candidate who denies that Joe Biden won, and the other one says he doesn't have enough information or it's not clear to him. He thinks it wasn't fair. And I think I mentioned with the commission, we have you know, a legislative role, passing yeah. regulations. There's an executive role because you're an executive over this commission with hundreds and hundreds of employees. But you also have a quasi-judicial role where you, you, you hear testimony, you, you take evidence, and you weigh all of that, and you come up with a decision, quasi-judicial decision. And they're telling us, they're telling the residents of Arizona that they've listened to all this, and they've heard what all the courts have said, and somehow they still think that Joe Biden is not our president. So what does that say about how they're going to weigh the public interest with their political yeah. party? I wouldn't even say their political party. We know it's not all Republicans, but they're... Their, um, their, their political sect. Yeah. So to me, that's a disturbing sign that they're not going to wake up and say, I'm representing right. the welfare of the Arizona people, but I'm representing my political party. Yeah, and we've seen time and time again how a lot of those same people have challenged voter-led, voter-led initiatives that yeah. they Mentioned. didn't like and used their power for bad. <laughs> but that's a whole another 40-minute conversation. So we, what else, this, as kind of we're wrapping up, what message would you like to leave voters with uh, as they go into the uh, voting booth in November? Just so think about those lower ballot races and, and start, don't start with my race, start with school board. School yes. board is on the front lines. And I, I've seen so many school board members that are friends that have been attacked and their lives threatened and they're doing the work you know, doing volunteer work in their community to represent the teachers and the, and the students and the administrators. And, it, you know, it's, they're on the front lines of democracy. We need to make sure we, we, we research and know who to vote for the school board. But I would say just vote a full ballot because all of these races have so much impact on your life. In the case of Corporation Commission, it's the most important office no one's ever heard of. And yeah. think of it as, as, as this, this is a consumer commission or um, in my heart of hearts, as the Climate Commission, because if you care about climate, if you care about the environment, and by the way, we know Arizonans do. There's been lots yeah. of polling, and 96% of us want us to do big things in the area of environmental protection. We know 74% want to see clean energy transition. Right. So if you care about the environment, this is the race to watch, because we will determine our energy future with this election. And if we elect my opponents, we're going to move backward. Yes. And the commission has done some good things in the past couple of years. And the standards have expired, but we haven't moved backwards. These, these opponents of mine, they want to get rid of the regulations. They don't right. believe that we should have a renewable energy standard. Every other state in the union, pretty much, are adopting renewable energy standards. They want to go backwards in time. And where have we heard that before? Like right. a lot of the, the Republican slate wants to move backwards. And uh, so voting for this election is, is the most important election of our lifetime. We always say yeah. that, but you know, as Adrian Fuentes says, this could be, this is the most important election because it could be the last fair and free election that we have. Right. If these secretaries of states are elected in these um, battleground states, 
we could have 2024 results overturned from political ideology. Yeah. So violently as they've threatened. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to vote like uh, the climate depends on it. We need to vote like our reproductive rights and our bodily autonomy depend on it. We need to vote like our democracy depends on it. This is like red alert. Yes. <laughs> red alert for the planet, red alert for the ballot box, yeah. and red alert for our bodies. Yeah. Arizona deserves better. So, we do, yeah. we do. Well, thank you for being here, Scott. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Accountable Arizona Election 2022. I personally am still in disbelief that Arizona isn't leading in solar, pow solar power. I hope our conversation today provided some insight to the importance of the Corporation Commission and why your vo vote counts. Until next time, stay Accountable Arizona. Thank you again to local artist Junk Dior for the intro and outro music all of your days.